It's Monday, January 10th, in case you forgot what day it is. I had three things I wanted to talk about today, and I forgot the third. It had something to do with current events, some, some opinion piece that I read, I think. But I can't remember what it was, and frankly, it's probably for the best. It's for the best for me because it likely would have required me to spend some time reading and thinking, maybe even researching, and I don't have time for that, and it's probably something you don't care about. That's not really the be-all and end-all, because for all I know, you don't care about anything I talk about, although I suppose if that were the case, you wouldn't keep listening. But I'm still on that that track of losing one subscriber every podcast. Drip, drip, drip. I don't know what's driving them away, but it's at the point now where I think I would be concerned if I didn't get that one person every time. And of course, I'm getting more than one sign-up every week, so I'm still ahead of the game. A few weeks ago, I talked about box well-tempered clavier and my kid's piano recital and how uh, the Chopin prelude my son played was introduced uh, as being a similar sort of thing to what Bach did, except Chopin, rather than going step-by-step through the keys, went around in the circle of fifths. Doesn't really matter. But I erroneously thought that it was like the well-tempered clavier in that it had a prelude and fugue for each key. It doesn't. It only has a prelude. I know you don't really care. I care. I like fugues. A fugue, if you don't know, is like a round. It's like row, row, row your boat. And, uh, of course, Bach was was the best at them. would have been interesting to hear Chopin doing that, but I think they were probably out of fashion at the time uh, They're certainly out of fashion now, and we're in the 20th century, but I stumbled across a set of preludes and fugues by uh, Dmitry Shostakovich, great Russian composer, and uh, he worked in the Soviet era. And apparently, I wasn't aware of these pieces, but apparently they were inspired by Bach, and he wrote them specifically for the pianist Tatiana Nikolaeva to play, and she recorded them three different times in her lifetime. He apparently made his own recordings on piano, uh, but I don't think any of them have uh, been released in full. As thinking about it, you know, there's apparently fights going on with record labels and stuff, but I was thinking about it, how difficult must it have been to be working under the communist system with your recordings and then what, I have no idea what happened to them all when the wall fell and there was no more Soviet Union. How did they even decide who had the rights to that? I mean, that could be said for a lot of intellectual property, I would imagine. So I assume that his recordings, you know, there's pieces here and there, but I would assume for the most part they uh, are tied up somewhere and 
maybe someday we'll see the light of day. Who knows? The uh, Shostakovich pieces apparently historically are not held in high regard. Uh, he's really known for his symphonies. That's what I uh, knew him for anyway. And uh, I guess people typically didn't take uh, his preludes and fugues very seriously, but there's a lot of good music in there. And, uh, and of course, quite a lot of it sounds like it was written in the 20th century, but uh, which is good or bad, depending on your point of view, mine changes. Uh, there's good 20th century and not so good 20th century. And, and uh, a lot of this stuff, I think, uh, maybe is right on the line. But a lot of great stuff in there. And of course, taken all together, it's over two and a half hours long. So I listened to, uh, I believe it was a recording from 1987 uh, performed by Nikolaeva. And when I get the time, I'll listen to one by Konstantin Sherbakov, which is apparently held in high regard. And then by uh, Alexander Melnikov, who made a recording of something else. And I cannot, I think it was Chopin actually, but he made a recording of something else a few years back, back that I really enjoyed. And so I remembered his name. I also uh, listened to the uh, Marta Argerich uh, version of uh, Chopin's Preludes. It was very good. And it seems like all the recordings of those also contain recordings of his uh, second piano sonata, which is the one with the famous movement, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's always good fun. This is going to drive me bananas if I can't remember, and I'll never find it, so I'm not going to bother looking. But the uh, the Melnikov, I guess I could search it on the internet. Anyway, that's all I have to say about music, unless I somehow run over, uh, run into it here, run over it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can't find, I can't find it. So, revisiting board games, we uh, got some for Christmas. There was Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter is a co-op game with the possibility of a traitor or betrayer. And uh, you're hunkered down in the dead of winter trying to fight off a zombie attack uh, while also making sure everybody is fed and has medicine and doesn't live in a mountain of garbage. So it's difficult. It's not impossible. And one of the things I like about it is there's a variety of scenarios you can play and they'll tell you right there on the card if it's if it's a long one or a short one or whatever and um and so you know if you're playing like an eight round game that might not sound like much but with three or four players that's a pretty long game 
You know, everybody only gets one turn per round, but the turns can last a while, as is the case with a lot of these games. So we found it really fun. We only played one game where there was a betrayer, and my daughter, God bless her, did a bad job of betraying. She put a card into it. So each round, among um, you've got a main goal, and then you've got a crisis you face every round. And you've got to deal with the crisis, or else you will end up uh, losing uh, morale. And when your morale hits zero, you're dead. But the main goal has to be reached to win the game. And uh, you put cards in there secretly to uh, to fulfill whatever the requirement is. Like maybe you need a certain amount of food, so you have to have a, a certain number of food cards or medicine or whatever. And uh, early in the game, she put one in there. We had to reach six, and she put one in there, and it was one we needed. And I said, well, why did you put in one we needed? We weren't going to check till the end of the game. She was like, well, I figured everybody would know I don't know. She had some reasoning for figuring everybody would find out she was the betrayer if uh, if she put it in. So uh, so we ended up winning that one, my son and I. Anyway, I had a lot of fun with that game. Uh, and we will, I imagine that'll be in the regular rotation. Uh, we also played Everdell, which is um, another one that... Um, I guess is played in rounds, but the interesting thing about it is you're, uh, you know, you're collecting resources, uh, and you're building a village, but your, your village or your town or whatever it is only has, um, can only fit 15 cards. So it's not going to go on forever. And there are point values on the cards. So you're trying to amass points there. And of course there are other ways that you can gain points as well. Uh, but one of the things I like about it is that uh, you you start out in your first round or for your first turn, rather, you're not going to do very much because you only have like two um, player tokens that you can place and, and you can't move them until you move on to the next round, which they uh, call a season. So you move to the next season. That's when you collect your your player tokens, and then you add more. So each round you have more player tokens, and you're trying to collect these resources and and build these towns, and there are cards that link together so that if you, you know, have a certain location and then you want to add a certain creature that goes with that location, you don't have to pay the price and resources that you normally would, things like that. If you've played, you know, modern board games, you're familiar with the concept. So uh, what I like about it, though, is you're not in this rigid um, turn-based situation because since you're going, since each player is going for different resources and has a different plan in mind, they can, especially as the rounds go on, they can um, take longer to get where to get to the point where they need to change seasons than somebody else. So you can have a situation where in a three player game, two of the players are done 
their village is built and or they've gone through all the seasons, uh, but somebody else is still is still playing. And uh, and that's kind of a an interesting take, because one of the things you could do, obviously, is look at what everybody else has point wise on the table and say, oh, what am what am I going to do now? When when I first played, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I didn't really know to look for that. I ended up winning anyway, but it was sheer uh, beginner's luck, I guess. So those two were fun. There were some other uh, card games we played as well over Christmas break, especially, and, and over the weekend since then. And one of them that was pretty good was Point Salad. And this is a, a card game uh, where you are trying to collect elements of a salad, different vegetables, uh, and you uh, pick cards that give you goals to reach. Say you get, you know, for every two onions you have, you get a point or whatever. For every combination of an onion, a tomato, and a carrot, you get three points, whatever it may be. And you can, there's no limit to the goals you can draw, but you want to try to draw cards that uh, that fulfill those goals. So it's kind of a good, I guess what you call a warm-up game, but it's kind of a good one, you know, quick, easy, fun game. Uh, I also played uh, Kids Against Maturity. Probably more fun for the kids than me. There's only so many poop jokes uh, you can hear before it starts to get a little old. I love a good poop joke, don't get me wrong. But, you know, reach a point where you would maybe like a little variety. And the one we didn't play yet is apparently has just been sold out everywhere. A very popular game called Micro Macro. I don't really know about it. It's one of those things, uh, it's like the Hunter Killer thing where you're solving a mystery. So once you've, you know, if there's seven mysteries in the box, once you've done that, you're done. There's no point in replaying because you already know the answer. So, and I know a lot of people don't like that, which I get, but, uh, for some reason we didn't get around to that. I think it's a little, every time we got close to trying it out, it was sort of like, eh, nobody felt like going through a bunch of rules and explanations and so forth. In any case, let's see, what else is happening in my world? Well, I'm getting some uh, business ducks lined up in a row, hopefully. And this is just a constant pain in the butt. But it seems like we're getting closer to having a relatively streamlined system for our web store. So our big cartel site has been down for a while. Um, we're going to put a new one up soon. I can't say exactly when because I'm not really in control of all the things needed to get it online. But uh, I think we're going with Shopify. And uh, the good thing about that is that we can then link that on our Spotify page as well. Spotify, Shopify, Shopify, Spotify. I don't know. They're in bed together. Somebody's getting a kickback somewhere. In any case, um, so we will have some 
more the last of, at least so far, the uh, Some Freaks of Atavism vinyl, also some CDs. We got CDs pressed. Now, I had mentioned in a newsletter, and when I went back, I realized I had phrased it in a way that could have been misunderstood, but I said something to the effect of, oh, we're doing, we're doing the album on CD, and I said something along the lines of, hey, if somebody wants to, you know, throw money at it, then whatever, as long as I'm not putting up the money. And several people then wrote me thinking that I was saying I was looking for somebody. Guys, I will never do that, ever. I will never, ever put out something saying, guys, I need somebody to put out my record. I'm not going to do it. So I'm, I will ask for help with a lot of things. I'm not ever going to ask for help with that. I'm totally set there. So I already had a deal in place with Rumbar Records. That is, um, the CDs are in his hands. I just got mine this morning and turned around and, and shipped them to our merch people after taking out some comps. And so we'll be doing, I guess, a package with those in the vinyl, although the CD will also be available on its own. And we will then be gearing up for the new album. I have no idea when it's going to be out. It's entirely dependent on the vinyl, and there's a big bottleneck right now. So we'll see what happens. But Striped Records is hard at work pressing up the vinyl. I believe it's already at the plant. Uh, I just approved the art for the vinyl jacket. And, uh, and there should be plenty for everyone. We're going to press a little more than we did initially with the last record. So if you're into vinyl... I strongly suggest, if you haven't yet, that you go and sign up for the Screeching Weasel newsletter because everything we put out there, limited or not, is going to go out in the newsletter before it hits the socials. So if you're just sitting around saying, gee, I hope I'll hear about it, but you may not because sometimes this stuff sells out in pre-orders just from the newsletter. I mean, it has happened in the past. So... Don't count on that. All you have to do is sign up for the newsletter, and then you're going to get the notice when anything goes on sale before the general public does, or before it goes to the socials anyway. Uh, I took another job. I I can't really talk about it in detail now, but it's going to keep me unbelievably busy in April and May. Um, So if we do end up having a record come out that time, God knows how I'm going to, well, I'm sure not going to micromanage it because I'm not going to have the time, but I don't know how I'm going to handle it at all. Uh, I'm going to be incredibly busy. I'm also hard at work at a couple other creative projects. I'm as happy as a clam. I love it. I mean, that's, I was telling somebody I was talking to the other day. Uh, it's that kind of stuff that gets me up in the morning. If, if all I have to wake up to is, kind of administrative stuff and and business and we're going to sell this and we're going to make this much money here it's just it's not very exciting i guess i guess where it gets exciting sometimes is where when it becomes a real challenge and uh and really what we're doing now is a challenge as i've told you many times it's a one man operation but i do have a a ragtag team of sorts uh, people come and go, but, uh, you know, a group of people who are trying to, trying to make this, uh, rickety old machine 
run, squeeze a few more miles out of it before it has to be hauled off to the junkyard. And, uh, and it's tough at times. I mean, DIY is not a lot of fun when you're 20. When you're in your 50s, uh, it's, it's fairly exasperating. But, uh, but sometimes the challenge of it can, can you know, kind of jumpstart some pretty cool ideas. Uh, you know, you can, you can, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. So, you know, you can come up with some, some angles that nobody else is coming up with at times, uh, just because you don't really have much of a choice and you're willing to try anything when nothing seems to work. Well, as always, I've enjoyed my time with you. I will, of course, join you next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay warm wherever you are. I know it's been very cold here in Wisconsin. Uh, try not to get COVID. If you do, apparently this strain isn't very dangerous. But I, I have, I have, you know, have an elderly relative who is who is in end of life hospice care and has both pneumonia and COVID. And it's not. Believe me, the COVID is not helping. Um, I'm not saying that. Uh, to espouse any particular point of view about vaccination or masking or anything. I'm just saying that when we argue about it, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that, um, that for a certain segment of the population, it's very difficult. So I will be with you again next week. Until then, please remember, I love you all very much. So long. <laughs>